Welcome to the Hope Story Podcast, where we share resources, encouragement, and hope for families of children with Down syndrome. Here's your host, husband, dad, and founder of Hope Story, Rick Smith. Welcome to the Hope Story Podcast. This is Rick Smith, and I am here with one of our hope advocates. And also, if you happen to see our To the Next Me video that we released on World Down Syndrome Day, you will find this friend of mine in that video. Natalie, welcome to the Hope Story Podcast. Thank you, Rick. Elated to be here chatting with you. Well, let's just jump right into it. So for everyone that's listening out there, they don't they don't know you. They like I do, they don't know Caleb, your son. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? You're the mom of a child with Down syndrome. And so just tell us a little bit about your birth story. Did you have a prenatal diagnosis, a postnatal diagnosis, your experience with your medical professional? Just kind of give us the details. Awesome. Well, you know, Caleb is five years old now. We had a prenatal diagnosis when I was 12 weeks pregnant. We decided to do some prenatal genetic testing and the testing came back positive that Caleb would have trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. And so the doctor called me. It was the middle of the afternoon, about noon or so. My daughter at the time was going on two years old and was napping at the time. She had just turned two actually and was napping. And I was in the middle of cleaning, received a call from the doctor saying that our results were in, that even though they had thought in our 11-week scan that it was a girl, that we were actually having a boy, and that our son had Down syndrome. And not much other information than that. That's all I was told at the time. And he told me that I had a few weeks to make a decision. And that was a bit surprising to me to have someone say that I had a few weeks to make a decision, a bit of a shock there, and I didn't really know what to say. So we disconnected as I was in complete shock. And he said to call him back if I had any questions. So I called him right back. And I said, I, you know, I'm not sure what to do with this information now. I know I'll have questions. What do I do then? So again, not much information, resources, connection, nothing really was provided. And I sat down on the couch and didn't really know what to do with myself, decided to call him back for a third time. And I said, I would like to know how I tell my husband, because now I have this information. It's the middle of the day and I'm not quite sure how to tell him. And um, so he didn't really have much information for me or advice really at that time. And so I wasn't sure what to do at that point. I really didn't know. And so I waited until my husband came home, which was about five hours later, which seemed like days. So when he got home, I shared the news with him and we just kind of sat there for a little while, really not knowing what to say to each other. And then I kind of just pulled my bootstraps up and looked at him and said, well, we need to figure out who we know. Who do we know that knows someone with Down syndrome and can give us advice and help us. And so we had to find connections, resources, and so forth all on our own. Wow. Now, did you guys, either of you know anyone with Down syndrome before this? I did. I did. I do have a friend from high school and her sister had a child with Down syndrome that was five years old when I met them. I would have been a teenager at the time, probably 18 or 19. 
And uh, he was five at the time. And he was, you know, a part of my life on the peripheral, but I didn't really have enough knowledge or relationship there to really know what to expect. I just had a basic peripheral perception of what life for that child was like. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. And you guys have done such an incredible job with Caleb. Caleb is so awesome. Again, for anybody that is listening to this, I really want to encourage you to go to hopestory.org, check out the show notes for this episode, and you can see a link to the video, and you can see Natalie, and you can see Caleb and her family, everyone having a ball, having some fun. I really encourage you to check that out. So if you had a time machine and you could go back to that day when your doctor called you on the phone and you got the news, what would you walk into that room and tell yourself? That everything was going to be okay. That the perception of what I had in my mind of what a life of a child with Down syndrome would look like for the child was so much different than my perception of what life would be like. And I think I really had a false sense of the abilities and capabilities of a child with Down syndrome that I had a very jaded view of what his quality of life would be. And I thought about it initially in the perspective of what it would mean to me to have a child with Down syndrome rather than what kind of amazing life would I be able to provide and get a front row ticket to in seeing this child grow up and see how what I thought would be a lack of abilities what would be an incredible triumph each and every day in showing how capable he really is. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really good. I think about when, when I learned that Noah, our son who has Down syndrome, when I learned that he had Down syndrome, I didn't really know anyone with Down syndrome. And, you know, you have a lot of thoughts and just, I wish I could have told myself, Hey, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. It's not going to be that big of a deal. I know it seems like a big deal right now, but it's eventually going to just, he's going to just blend into the background of your life. So you told your husband, your husband came home after work. I can't imagine how hard that was to have that information and not be able to share it until your husband came home. And then you guys, I assume, began to start telling other people. And when you tell other people that your child has Down syndrome, they can say a lot of things. And so are there any things that people said to you that really encouraged you? And then are there some things that people said to you that you go, you know what? that probably wasn't the best thing to say to me. You know, the first, one of the first persons that I reached out to because they were very well connected in the community, you know, the first thing he said to me was, I had left him a voicemail message. And so he called me back and said, that was really heavy to leave (laughs) that message for me on my voicemail. And I kind of thought about that and thought, well, that this is true. (laughs) That was heavy, but you know, was it really the response that I expected? Having the doctor say to me, you know, you have a few weeks to make a decision was a, an interesting choice in words. 
you know, we had prayed for and really, you know, dreamed of this child for uh, a couple years. We had two losses before Caleb. And so for someone to say, you know, you have a few weeks to make a decision was not what I expected nor wanted to hear because we were still yet so hopeful and joyful, you know, that we had made it this far in our pregnancy. So things like, I'm so sorry, that wasn't something that I wanted to hear, nor that I expected to hear. And I would have, if I could rewrite the dialogue for these physicians and for the peers among us, it would be removing the words, I'm sorry, or even the look, you know, sometimes you'll tell someone that you have a child with Down syndrome and the look that they give you is this look of, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, if they only knew, if they only knew Caleb, then they would wonder why they ever looked at me that way or wonder why they ever uttered the words, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's good. You know, and you said something that I want to touch on. You said that your doctor said, you know, you have some time to make a decision. And and I want to double click on that. And, and I think most people listening to this know what your doctor was referring to. But what your doctor was referring to was a decision if you want to keep your child or not. Correct. And tragically, there are some medical professionals that when they are delivering the news to a mother that her child is likely going to be born with Down syndrome, one of the things they say in that first conversation is the conversation about you have a choice to make here. And they and, and that can be really tough for a, a mom to hear, you know, to hear your medical professional in some senses, even encouraging you to terminate the life of a child. And so that's why you know, I'm so happy to have you as a hope advocate. For those of you who don't know what a hope advocate is, that's a mom who has a child with Down syndrome, one year old or older, and lives in the United States, and can be a be a source of hope, a source of comfort for a new parent. And so, I'm really glad to have you as a hope advocate, so that a new parent can connect with you, and you can tell them all about Caleb, so they can make the choice, like you did, to bring their child into the world and, and to have a, a shot at life. Hope Story, we believe one of the greatest gifts for new parents of a child with Down syndrome is a friend who also has a child with Down syndrome and is a little farther along in their parenting journey. That's why we're working to connect OBGYNs with families raising a child with Down syndrome so they can connect their patients with parents who can offer friendship, encouragement, and hope. We call this the Hope Advocate Process. To learn more and to sign up to become a Hope Advocate, Simply visit hopestory.org forward slash hope advocate. And now back to our show. You were so kind recently to invite our family over to your home and we got to go swimming with your crew. And so we got a chance to see a little bit about what a day looks like in your household. And so I would love for you to share what a day looks like and your household to people listening, your day, because of sort of a unique situation with Caleb, looks a little bit different maybe than other people's days. And so I'd love for you to just share what a day looks like in your household and why it may look a little bit different right now than maybe some other families. So Caleb's day will typically begin with him always waking up every day, no matter the day, on the right side of the bed. And this guy doesn't have a wrong side of the bed. 
And so he, he wakes up ready to conquer the day. He wakes up. The first thing he says every single day is hi. And uh, he's ready to jump into action with whatever he has planned for the day. So he, uh, Caleb does have uh, sleep apnea. So he's, uh, he's got some extra additional uh, medical care throughout the day. And so uh, he does a few breathing treatments during the day just to help keep his lungs 100% healthy. And um, so that's something that we're able to take care of, of course, for him here at home. And then, you know, his, his days will start by getting outside as quick as he can to do his favorite things, which include getting on the trampoline, taking a ride in the golf cart, jamming to his newest and latest favorite song, and greeting everybody in the neighborhood. Everyone in the neighborhood knows Caleb, and uh, everybody looks forward to seeing him when they're out for their walks or runs in the morning. He knows all the dogs in the neighborhood, and uh, he's kind of like our little celebrity in our neighborhood because he just loves to be out and about, and, and he's never met an unfamiliar face or friend. And so, you know, he, he spends a whole lot of his day being social. He does get therapy on a regular basis. So we have occupational therapists, physical therapists, and speech therapists that come to the house and do therapy with him. And so he blows us away with um, meeting and exceeding all of their goals on a regular basis. And then, of course, we do a, a lot of things as a family, um, you know, going to the pool, hanging out with uh, our immediate and extended family here. Obviously, with COVID being in our current climate, we stay home just a little bit more. And so we do a lot. We incorporate a lot of what he was previously doing in his developmental preschool. We incorporate a lot of that into his day here at home now and uh, keeping schedules and so forth. So Brayson has a 14-year-old a brother and a 7-year-old sister. And um, so we've got a super busy household, as you can imagine, with it being summer here at home. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing all that. And then for someone watching the video, they might notice that Caleb has a trach. And so it was really interesting when we were over there. We have a 6-year-old son also. And so he asked you know, something along the lines of, hey, what is that? Or what does that do? And um, I was so encouraged that our six-year-old, you know, noticed something and, and wanted to ask. And so for parents that may not have any experience raising anyone who has a trach, what has that been like? How has that experience been like for you guys? You know, it was a big decision for us. It was something we had to seek out a tremendous amount of counsel, not just from a medical knowledge standpoint, but in prayerful counsel with us, um, because we wanted to make sure we were making the best decisions for Caleb, because it can be overwhelming as a parent to think about your child being dependent upon um, some sort of medical device or, or having a procedure done that might make things harder on you as a parent. And so it's really difficult to truly have a selfless point of view in making sure that you really are providing the best support for your kiddo emotionally and physically. And with him having the sleep apnea, uh, it really was a struggle for him at night from a breathing standpoint. And, you know, that's for him. He just has such small and tiny airways, tiny little ear canals and, and small airways. And so the trach was really just a, a lifeline for him in providing him quality air during the evening with great um, support from 
a pulmonary perspective. And so it was a really difficult decision because it was scary for us to think about what we would need to have knowledge of, what we would need to be prepared for, what we would need to be able to be capable of doing. And if you had asked me four years ago, if I'd be able to provide the kind of medical care to anyone in the manner that I do for him now, I would have told you unequivocally I wasn't capable. But it is amazing when you have the support that you really need from just incredible caliber, um, or what's the word, from, from high caliber physicians who are willing to take the time to train you and truly believe in you as a parent that you can provide the care for your child. It's incredible what you learn and what you find you're capable of doing for your kids. And it is all secondhand now. I was super nervous when he first had his surgery and his trach was placed. I was shaking like a leaf anytime I had to, to take care of him. And it's all second nature now. It's nothing I even think about. You know, if we have an emergent situation, I just snap right into action. There's no panic. There's no worry. There's no concern. It is just second nature. And I don't have any, you know, severe, greater cause or care of concern for him in a situation over my daughter, my typical seven-year-old daughter, because I know no matter what happens, he'll be okay and I'll be able to manage and provide the care for him. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. I like what you said about not just getting medical counsel, but you even, you know, prayerfully were just considering, hey, is this the best choice for my child? You were, you know, covering all your bases there. And I really appreciated the thoughtfulness that you guys had in, in making that decision. And you guys have done such a great job. It was so fun hanging out with everyone, going to the pool. We got to swim with, with Caleb jumped in with us. And one of the things that was interesting that I don't have a lot of experience with, and I thought it was, it was interesting as we talked a little bit about it, was that you guys have a caregiver. I, I don't know if that's the right terminology, but you have someone there who helps out with Caleb through the night so that you guys can sleep. You have to sleep. Um, and so we talked a little bit about what that was like. Is caregiver the right word? It's actually skilled nursing. Skilled so we nursing. do have a skilled nurse. Mm-hmm. So it's either an, an LVN or an RN that we have here to help with Caleb's care. And uh, it's not exactly around the clock, but the majority of the time we do have someone here to help. And it's a huge blessing for us in having someone here to help mind him. You know, he truly is a typical five-year-old in the sense that he never sits down. He's always on the run and always wanting to be entertained and just never stops. You know, he just, he's just a typical five-year-old, you know, just absolutely bursting at the seams with energy. And so I just would never get anything done if it was, you know, (laughs) just, him and I. And um, as I'm sure any mom with a toddler can relate. And so it's been a huge blessing to us by having someone here to help with that because it, you know, especially in this, in this COVID atmosphere, I wouldn't be comfortable taking Caleb out into any environment, you know, with him having the trach. It's not really 
you know, feasible for him to wear a mask because he's, he's breathing from two different places. And, you know, he's breathing from the trach and, and also through his mouth and nose. And so he, he's just really susceptible to um, any type of, you know, viral virus out there of any kind, particularly this, of course. And so it would make things extremely difficult for me to be able to provide the kind of care that I need to provide for the rest of my family as well. And so that that has been a real blessing in having someone to help out with all of his additional requirements, things like the breathing treatments and, you know, the, the things that come along with that. Yeah. And I imagine it's just a good peace of mind knowing that while you're sleeping, there's someone that's keeping close tabs on Caleb and making sure he's in a good, a good spot. And that, that lets you rest well, I would imagine. It does, because, you know, in his first year, I knew that there was something going on. He just wasn't sleeping appropriately. It wasn't, you know, he was all over his bassinet. He was gasping during the night. I knew something was amiss, but I didn't quite know. So for his first six months, I did not sleep at all. And it was one of my, one of Caleb's therapists, his physical therapist through early childhood intervention that came on a weekly basis and she noticed that I was severely sleep deprived. And uh, she is the one who made the connection to our ENT, whom I, I trust implicitly and uh, is just one of those, you know, unbelievably reliable, knowledgeable, and incredible physicians. You know, I, I'm so grateful for the connection that was made there um, in him providing care to to Caleb. And he's the one that discovered, of course, the sleep apnea. So uh, to be able to sleep after a year of not sleeping at all over, um, you know, my mommy instinct telling me that there was something going on there and he just really wasn't getting a quality night's sleep. So uh, I, I don't take it for granted in, in any way, shape or form. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. And so thankful for, you know, frankly, the fact that we live in a country with so many great medical resources available to us. Someone told me shortly after Noah was born that there has never been a better time in the history of the world for someone to be born with Down syndrome. And I think about all the resources that Caleb has available to him. And I think about how some of those resources weren't even probably available only a couple of decades ago. So really thankful that uh, Caleb is born in this day and age. Couldn't agree more, yeah. Are you the parent of a child with Down syndrome and interested in sharing your story on a future episode of the Hope Story podcast? If so, please visit hopestory.org forward slash podcast and let us know. We may end up featuring your family's story on a future episode. And now back to our show. So what are some things that have surprised you about being the mommy of a child with Down syndrome? Well, I think one of the things is that I'm I'm surprised at how graceful I can be with others about things they say. <laughs> that has surprised me. So I've learned a lot about grace, to say the least, because, you know, it's funny, the, pe the things people say, and, you know, I could choose to be sensitive about them or try to censor what people say in front of my daughter, for example. But I certainly have learned to be graceful with people because... I know when we received the diagnosis, I, I really didn't have a great education 
or I didn't have a great perspective of what a life looks like for a child with Down syndrome. And so me knowing that I didn't know very much, I I really want to bestow the same grace I would hope that someone would have bestowed upon me to others. And so I've really learned to really try to educate and try to show a different perspective to people who I can tell uh, have not been exposed to someone like Caleb before. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's amazing the empathy and grace that you can show to other people. Because for me, what I have to remember is there was a time when I wasn't the dad of a child with Down syndrome, and, and I didn't know a lot of things. And I'm sure I said a lot of things wrong. And so just a good reminder that I once was in the same place that many people that are saying things to me, the place that they're in. So good stuff. Okay, so a few more questions. What resources have been helpful to you as you have been the parent of a child with Down syndrome? I would say one of the first resources I was connected to would have been the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, or DSDN. And they've done an incredible job of banding together this incredible community of parents and like Hope's story, really trying to change the dialogue of what it looks like to receive a diagnosis and especially a prenatal diagnosis to direct those parents to quality information and vetted information to help give some perspective to what this life is going to look like for the child, for the parent, and for the siblings. And I think they do a really, really good job of that. Through that network, there are wonderful groups, social media groups, you know, namely through through Facebook, in which you can connect with other parents of children with Down syndrome at the same age or right about the same age as your child. And it's so helpful to be able to connect with parents, you know, all over the country with children who, with parents of children that are right around the same age. And then, of course, from there, I got connected to a local group of moms from a local Facebook group with an older group of moms. And so that is actually where I had the opportunity to meet your lovely and amazing wife, Abby. And I met her when I was pregnant with Caleb. And I made so many great connections while I was pregnant so that then when Caleb was born, we had a whole plethora of other resources that kind of kicked into gear And so once Caleb arrived, we were um, then were associated with the the Dallas Down Syndrome Guild. And that's our local guild here for us here in Dallas, Texas. And that guild provided tremendous resources for in-person connection. So there were music classes that we were able to take. There were all sorts of community nights that they had scheduled. They had nights out just for the moms, nights out just for the dads planned. And most of these events were either at no cost or very little cost to us as a family. And those experiences and those connections that were made were absolutely priceless for me in being prepared not only before Caleb arrived, but in finding the support that I needed once he was here. 
You know, those are all really good things. Uh, several times in previous podcasts, the DSDN has come up. And, and so we are big fans of everything the DSDN does. Jen Jacob and, and her team, they do some really phenomenal things. And also the Down Syndrome Guild of Dallas, which is our local Down Syndrome organization, they played a really important role in our life also. And, and so I encourage everyone, if you're on this journey, to get connected to your local Down Syndrome organization, if, if you have one. And you know if you're a new mom or a new dad, or even a mom or dad a little further down the road, connecting with the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, the DSDN. So two more questions. What are some of the dreams that you have for Caleb and how are those different than the dreams that you have for your other children? You know, it's interesting that the dreams that I thought I had for my son and daughter before Caleb arrived have definitely altered in what I do dream for them because now I've realized that a lot of the dreams that I believed I had for them before we met Caleb, knew Caleb, were really more focused on what I think I wanted for them rather than really just believing and praying for joy and fulfillment for them in no matter what that dream looked like for them. And I think what helped me change my perspective was that I realized that that was what I truly wanted for Caleb in his future. And for me to say that what I dream for him is to, for example, have a job or live independently, which I both pray happen for him. But my dream really is that he feel fulfilled, that he feel capable, that he feel able, that he feel that he can make a difference in this world, which is the same dream that I have for myself. So it really made me think twice about the things that I say to my older children in making sure that I don't put any of what I thought I needed or wanted or should achieve as a young adult. I want to make sure I don't put that on them. I really, truly have dreams for them of seeing them feeling fully fulfilled in what they're doing, no matter what it is. And, and that's what I pray for for Caleb as well. Thank you for sharing that. that. That's really good. You know, one of the things that that I like to say is that we had to mourn the loss of our imaginary child. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, before we met Noah out of the womb, we started to just kind of make up in our minds what our son was going to be like, you know, maybe just in your mind, you kind of maybe think about different things they may do in the future or, you know, just all sorts of things that you that you imagine. And I think we just had to go, hey, that that person in our mind never existed. That was just a made up person. And so we got to mourn the loss of that kid and then, you know, fully embrace and accept the child that God has given us, which is Noah. And he, and really we got to do that for all of our children is it's okay. I think to have desires and dreams for our children, but at the end of the day, they're their own person and they're going to do their own things. And so we can make plans, but we just got to hold them pretty loosely, I think. Okay, so last question, and this question may be the most important one. If there's a new mom listening to this, a mom whose child was just diagnosed with Down syndrome, what would you tell that mom? Congratulations. That would be the very first thing that I would tell that mom, and I would pray that there would be others saying that exact same thing. 
to that mom. And I wish I could convey in my facial expression through this podcast, uh, I wish I could express the kind of joy that is yet to come for them. And it's incredible as they'll watch their child grow and they'll see the way that their child has this incredible effect on all of the people around them. And you will be just blown away by the amount of love that will be showered and poured out among your family and specifically for your child. And I could not come up with any better word or more profound word than congratulations. That is good. Thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us. Thank you so much for being such a great mom to your kiddos. And thank you for being a hope advocate. And so for any other moms that are listening to this, if you want to learn more about being a hope advocate like Natalie, you can go to hopestory.org, click on existing parent. You can learn more about that and how to jump in with us. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you, Rick. I'm so humbled and honored to be a part of the Hope Story organization. And I'm just so grateful for you and grateful for, for Abby and all that you've done for our family. So I can't thank you enough for that support. Well, thank you. That is very kind. Thank you so much for everyone that has tuned into this episode. And we will talk to you soon on another episode of the Hope Story Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hope Story Podcast. On our website at hopestory.org, you can find this episode's show notes, subscribe to our email list, and learn about how Hope Story is working to connect every OBGYN in America to a family raising a child with Down syndrome through our Hope Advocate process. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Hope Story podcast.